Hello, this is a download from the Clinical Audit Support Centre Limited. To find out more, visit www.clinicalauditsupport.com. Hello, my name is Stephen Ashmore and I would like to welcome you to the Clinical Audit Support Centre's roundup of what has been happening in the world of clinical audit in the third quarter of 2007. Sadly, my colleague Tracy Ruthven is unable to be with me today, but she has helped to pick out a number of events from the summer to feed back to listeners. This podcast focuses on events and news from July, August and September 2007 and starts with the second National Clinical Audit meeting convened by the Department of Health that took place in London on the 4th of July. Following on from their first National Audit meeting in April, the Department of Health ran a second National meeting on Independence Day. Compared to the first meeting, the second was different in a number of ways. First, whereas the April audience had been predominantly clinical audit staff, it was noticeable how few audit professionals were in the audience for the July meeting. Secondly, whereas the first meeting was very general, July's event focused specifically on clinical audit training and revalidation. In the morning, the Deputy Chief Medical Officer, Martin Marshall, gave a presentation on revalidation and this led to some lively discussions, while Tracy Rutherford presented in the afternoon on the importance of clinical audit training. The day also included updates from Helen Lovell, who is Quality Strategy Policy Leader for the Department of Health, and she talked through the tender process for the National Audit Programme and the appointment process for the new National Clinical Audit Advisory Group and its proposed offspring, the National Clinical Audit Forum. The day was valuable and several key themes emerged. These included the important opportunity that exists in terms of using recertification as a way of encouraging healthcare professionals to participate in audit work and the value of moving towards more accredited clinical audit training programmes. Aside from the Department of Health meeting, July was also the month when expressions of interest for running the National Audit Programme were submitted and this led to nine organisations making it through to the second stage. August proved a quiet month with regard to clinical audit news stories and this is not wholly unexpected given that many healthcare and audit professionals would have been on leave during this month. However, one can imagine that August was a very busy month for any of the nine organisations bidding to win the National Audit Programme as all had to prepare and complete more formal submissions and return these to the Department of Health by mid-September. If August proved to be a quiet month for clinical audit, September was the complete opposite, with a number of important announcements made and events taking place. First of all, September saw the narrowing of the field to win the National Audit Tender, as a number of companies decided not to submit more detailed bids. It is interesting to consider why initial bidders did not progress to round two, but one that the Clinical Audit Support Centre spoke to expressed a number of concerns, including their belief that the contract was undervalued, and concerns that the National Audit Programme had been put out to tender because successful delivery of the programme was exceptionally and fiendishly difficult. September also saw another major national development with the start of the recruitment process to find a chairperson and up to 10 members to sit on the new National Clinical Audit Advisory Group. For those of you not familiar with plans for the group, its role will be to drive the further development of local and national audit programmes. I'm sure many of you working in clinical audit may have requested an application pack, but for those of you that didn't, it was slightly concerning to see that the likes of researchers and statisticians will be given equal weighting to clinical audit professionals. It might be a slightly controversial comment to make, but from our perspective at the Clinical Audit Support Centre, we feel that a national clinical audit group should be made up predominantly of clinical auditors, so it will be interesting to see how this all pans out. 
It is good to see that the Appointments Commission will be overseeing the process and from our perspective at the Clinical Audit Support Centre, we hope to see a new national group incorporating known clinical audit experts, experienced healthcare professionals, plus some new faces who have fresh views on the delivery of clinical audit. After all, this new group stems from the CMO's challenge to reinvigorate clinical audit, not to continue the current status quo. To complete news from September, I would like to briefly mention the National Audit Conference that I attended in Manchester, organised by Healthcare Events. It was noticeable that numbers at the event were substantially down on the previous year, although it is not known why this was the case. It was also interesting that the workshop Tracy and I facilitated at the conference involved asking audit staff present to give feedback on how other healthcare professionals currently perceive audit. Rather depressingly, of 35 comments received, only 5 were positive. Clearly we still have a lot of work as a profession to make audit a tool that healthcare professionals want and see the value of using. In other news, just a very brief update this time in relation to our work on revising principles for best practice in clinical audit. We've agreed with the publishers that it makes sense to delay the book slightly in order to wait and see what happens with regard to the National Audit Programme and the new National Clinical Audit Advisory Group. However, we are still on the lookout for good quality clinical audit projects or examples of best practice in audit, so please request a registration form and submit relevant work no later than the 31st of December. Aside from principles for best practice, the summer has witnessed a number of changes that have impacted on the clinical governance landscape. It is disappointing to report that three established clinical governance resources will no longer be available this time next year. Following lengthy consideration by the National Programmes Review Panel of the Office of Strategic Health Authorities, the OHSA, the panel has decided to discontinue the work of the clinical governance support team. The CGST has provided valuable resources for the last eight years and it will be sad to see the organisation disappear in 2008. Meanwhile, we understand that the Clinical Governance Bulletin will be published for the final time in 2007. The Bulletin has featured many excellent examples of quality improvement projects and it is a shame to see the end of this resource. Finally, it is sad to see Leicestershire Primary Care Audit Group's website disappear from the internet over the course of the summer. The site had a wide range of audit resources that could be freely downloaded and we are not aware if these will be accessible via other web portals. Moving on to our regular feature, Website of the Quarter. This time we would like to feature the excellent First Practice Management. The site is dedicated to supporting practice managers throughout the UK but will be of interest to anyone working in a primary care setting. First Practice Management includes a library of over 320 downloadable protocols, policies, procedures and toolkits, plus everything a practice needs to know about employing staff. The site also features a confidential advice line, a buying club to help practices save money on everyday surgery needs, and a very active members forum where questions are posted and answered on an hourly basis. If you want to know more about the site, visit www.firstpracticemanagement.co.uk and click on the quick tour button to see what the site has to offer. To conclude this newscast, a quick roundup of what is coming up. I guess most importantly, we should be finding out in December who has won the bid to run the National Audit Programme. 
so I would imagine most of you will be keeping your eyes glued to the Department of Health website. Alternatively, you can email Helen Lovell, who is Quality Strategy Policy Leader at the Department of Health, and join her mailing list. She will provide regular electronic updates, and her email address is helen.lovell at dh.gsi.gov.uk. As ever, there are a couple of national audit conferences on the horizon, starting with our own Clinical Audit 2020 event taking place at the National Space Centre on the 15th of November. This should be an excellent event and features a good mix of speakers, plus a range of interactive activities, including live voting forums. Healthcare Events have also announced details of their annual audit conference for 2008. This will take place at Savoy Place in London from the 5th to the 6th of February, and is badged this year as Clinical Audit and Improvement. Full details of the programme can be located on the Healthcare Events website. Meanwhile, those of you who fancy a trip to Paris in springtime, which I must admit sounds far too romantic for me, might like to find out more about the International Forum on Quality and Safety that is taking place from the 22nd to the 25th of April 2008. The event should be excellent given that over 900 abstracts have already been received from over 50 countries. Okay, this brings the news podcast to a close. Apologies for the slight delay in making it available, but be assured our January 2008 news podcast will have all the news on forthcoming national clinical audit developments. I guess as this is the last news pod of the year, all that remains is for the Clinical Audit Support Centre to wish you a very early happy Christmas and all the best for 2008. We look forward to our next broadcast in January. This broadcast was recorded on the 12th of November 2007 and is copyright of the Clinical Audit Support Centre. Reproduction of this download is prohibited. Rebroadcast of this work is forbidden without the expressed written consent of the Clinical Audit Support Centre team.